There is one week left in the month of September, and now just four teams left in the WNBA playoffs, which means it's crunch time. Who's looked good? Who started the semifinals, maybe with a bit of a thud? We talk about it all today, right here on Locked On Women's Basketball. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello, friends. It is Monday, September 25th, 2023. If you are in the Midwest like me and dealing with the weather changes and allergy messes, Well, may the force be with you. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at The Next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. You can follow me at Missy Heydrich and be sure to follow this podcast at Locked On WBB. And then you've got to take yourself over to The Next, www.thenexthoops.com, where we have you covered Every day, 365. In just a blink of an eye, the WNBA season is in the home stretch on the way to crowning the 2023 champion. The semifinal playoff matchups are set. Game one is in the books of these five-game series. What did we see from the Las Vegas-Dallas tussle? What happened in New York? And what are we going to look for in game two and beyond? Here to talk about it all and more today with me is Matthew Walter, Beat reporter for the Las Vegas Aces at the next and one who has probably seen as much or more WNBA action this season than probably anybody that I know out there. Matthew, let's start in Vegas. Let's start with this first game, the number one versus the number four seed. It was a 97-83 win for the Aces over Dallas. Keep in mind, this is a Wings franchise. They have been in the playoffs at in Dallas five of the last eight seasons but had never gotten out of the first round. They finally advanced. They get themselves with this matchup against the number one seed and the defending world champions. Your thoughts right out of the gate on what you saw from Vegas in a really, in a, I seem to me, a very resounding and forceful 97-83 win. Yeah, so I think it goes back to that point you just made, right? They haven't been to the second round since they were the Detroit Shock had the wing. So it was a different team then, right? It was a long time ago, I think over 20 years ago. And I think in that second half, especially that third quarter, the Aces came out and said, okay, we were fine on defense in the first half, but we can definitely be better. I think they gave up 45 points at halftime and they only gave up 38 in the second half. And 12 of those came in that third quarter, 12 points in 10 minutes. Any coach will tell you, you and I know that is excellent. That's astounding defense, right? Holding a team to 12 points. That's barely a point a minute barely 1.2 points per minute and the aces defense stepped it up and if you watch the game in that third quarter they made dallas become the arike gumbawale show it was like you can shoot it as much as you want they made her take really tough shots and that's dallas just wanted to become this one-dimensional team and they weren't really sharing the ball and they talked about it right they went to a, a timeout and i think Roz gold on wood who works at espn said they told Arike in one of those timeouts, her teammates did, we got to start getting more looks. It's got to be other people. And the Aces did a really good job of saying, 
we're going to take almost everything away. And Arike has been known, right, to be an inefficient scorer. She's a great scorer, but she shoots sub 40%. And the Aces made her, like, very difficult. It became sort of a one-man show on offense for Dallas. And when other teams don't score, the Aces will crush you, crush you, crush you in transition. And that's what they do best. When they get out and run, when Chelsea Gray gets the ball in her hands, and you've got Asia Wilson running the floor, and Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum running to the corners, or to the wings or wherever on the floor, it's it's over for other teams. And you saw it, right? Transition game, they were hitting threes. They were getting to the ball to Asia in transition. And it, it just they dominated that third quarter, and that was what differentiated what was a four-point game at halftime to what was a double-digit win for the Aces. Well, if you go back and look at some of the quotes from players and such, it seemed as though head coach Becky Hammond with a bit of a tongue lashing of her squad in the locker room at halftime. As you said, just a four-point lead. If there's one thing you know about Becky Hammond, they're going to make adjustments. And so it seemed to me that, as you said, some of those adjustments were made on the defensive end, but also understanding and knowing how that ball movement and being able to attack what I felt like was maybe the one thing as you've, and you and I were talking about this before we started was the size of Dallas, how that can be a differentiator for them in a positive way. How do you think this Vegas team kind of responded in being able to say, all right, we not only got to go at the size, we've got to attack it, but we've got to play smart basketball as well inside out. Yeah. So uh, Becky Hammond talked before the game, they hadn't played in over a week. So she was worried about rust and she thought it would come from shooting. Well, if you look in the first half, it was coming because they were over dribbling. They were turning the ball over. They were just not being smart with the basketball. Second half, they were a lot smarter with the ball, like you said. And I think they did the right thing of attacking size with speed. They attacked in transition where they are – when the other team has a lot of size, the Aces are a very athletic team, right? Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, they have horses. They can run. They, As J- Becky Hammond said, they push the gas pedal. Yeah. It's not a slowing it down. They are always speeding up. They are always playing fast. And they run and run and run. And when you have another team that's big, bigs just don't run as fast, right? Mm-hmm. Tierra McCown is 6'7", is not the most fleet of foot. Natasha Howard has been playing this league a long time, not the most fleet of foot. And so when you do that, Asia Wilson, you saw getting a lot of layups in transition, running and beating people down the floor. You saw a couple of times Jackie Young got a transition three. Kelsey Plum got a couple of transition threes. And those are the things that allow the Aces when they can attack with their speed and with, with efficiency, right? The Aces attack you efficiently with speed. They take good shots. The Aces never take a shot where I feel like it's not a – they do every once in a while, but it's like they're looking for the right kind of shots, right? They know three are key, three are key. And they just do the little things so well. And I think that's where we go back to that experience of the Aces have been here before and Dallas has a a roster full of people other than Natasha Howard and Odyssey Sims who haven't, don't have that playoff experience, right? Arike Gumbawala is a young player. Satu Sabli is a young player. Tierra McCowan is a young player. Awak Kurie, Kalani Brown, young players. Mm -hmm. And they just haven't been in these situations before. And the Aces have shown they've been to the second round now for five straight years. They know what it takes to not only win playoff games, but they showed last year to win a championship. Well, and this is a Vegas team all season has been incredibly efficient on offense. As a team, they shoot 53.6%. It was 25 points for Kelsey Plum in 36 minutes. She goes 8 of 15 from the floor. But we've got to talk about the WNBA Defensive Player of the Year in Asia Wilson. Not only is she so good on the defensive end of the ball, she had four blocks, eight boards, but she puts up 34 points and it was a monstrous number 15 of 21 from the field. She ties a record for field goals in a playoff game. One of the things I like to see, and I think her game has evolved 
is playing and getting the ball in space. And that goes back to that efficiency, as you said, and understanding, not over dribbling, making those adjustments. Just how good was Asia Wilson in game one? She, I mean, she was MVP caliber, right? I mean, she, she won MVP last year. She's one of the front runners for it this year. And I think we've seen, you know, over the back half of the season, and especially these last two playoff games, right? Game two against Chicago here, game one against Dallas. She stepped it up to another level. 38 in that game two win over Chicago, 34 yesterday. And I think when she gets in a rhythm, she knows where she's going. She knows what she's doing. She's figured out. She talked about it with, with me when I asked her, like, what's been the difference this year? She said, I'm establishing myself in this league. Mm-hmm. And you see it, right? And I think I saw somebody say, right, like anyone who has any question about who's the MVP, it, it's Asia Wilson because she goes out there yeah. and you never don't notice her in a game, right? Every time she may not like have, she had 34, but there were times yesterday where I was like, she's just, she's just dominating. Mm-hmm. She's just dominating both sides of the basketball. And she may not always be scoring every possession, but she's always finding a way to be involved in every possession, whether it's getting a rebound on defense, whether it's getting an offensive rebound, whether it's, um, you know, setting a screen, whatever it is, whether it's running the floor, she's always involved in the play. And sometimes she may run the floor and not get the ball, but it opens it up for somebody else. Or she may, you know, somebody may miss a shot and they're not scoring. And she goes in and says, all right, I'm getting this offensive rebound. We need this basket. And she puts it back in. And she just, she seems to always make those big plays in the big moments. And she just seems to never back down from the moment, never back down from the situation. Well, and I think that's what being the defending champions, you have that swagger. You know, you've had it. They've had uh, the bullseye on their back all season. They've played with that chip on their shoulder. I think that's how Becky Hammond has wanted them to play this year, knowing people are going to come at you, take your best shot, and then you've got to be able to give it back to them. Let's talk just for a moment before we move on about minutes played, because it's something you and I were chatting about early. This is a young team. You know, yes, there are some players with some experience on this roster, but when we talk about age and we talk about the freshness and the ability for them to manage, they put in a lot of minutes. They haven't, they didn't use the bench a lot. It was 20 minutes from Clark and then it was just six minutes from Bell. Everybody else really didn't see a lot of time. So Hammond goes seven deep. Can they keep this up? Or is that just indicative of maybe this first game against Dallas? I think it's a couple of things. So number one, they had a week off, right? So they're going to be fresh. They're, they haven't played in a while. So I think it's that. And we've known the Aces are, have a lack of depth with the loss of Candace Parker and Raquana Williams. So that has created you know more playing. But this is what their roster kind of looked like last year, right? They didn't play a lot of – they were seven deep last year. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said – they're a young team. They know what they need to do. They take great care of themselves. And I think we'll maybe see more minutes going forward. But I also think it's matchup, right? Dallas wants to play big. And if Dallas wants to play big, the Aces can't play small a lot. They have to – You normally we see Alicia Clark come in and they go more small ball. We saw Alicia Clark in yesterday with Kia Stokes and Asia Wilson, which doesn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. But because of Dallas's size, they have to match size with size. So Asia and Kia sort of have to stay in the game more than they normally would. And that would allow for people like Sidney Colson to come into the game and play a little bit more. Well, because I think of the size disparity the Aces have, she probably didn't have the opportunity because of the fact that she can't, they can't really go with a more small ball lineup because Dallas wants to play so big all the time because you have to put Kia Stokes or Asia Wilson on Tierra McCown and Natasha Howard. That leaves Jackie Young guarding or Alicia Clark guarding Satu Sabli, who's already 6'2". And if you go more small ball, then you're asking, you know, maybe you're asking Kelsey Plum or Chelsea Gray to who are now it's instead of playing two inches or three inches of height disparity, it's five to six. And yeah. you don't really want that. So I yeah. think it's this matchup. And I mm-hmm. think it's also a game one thing, but 
you know, there's also lots of time between games, right? There's not another game till Wednesday. Right. So the Aces are going to have a lot of time between now and Wednesday to recuperate. Becky Hammond comes from the Greg Popovich system. She knows how to rest her players. She knows the kind of balance between practicing and playing. And I think that is going to be something that, you know, is not an issue because, again, this is something they did last year and they're used to it. Absolutely. All right. Well, when we come back, we are going to talk in just a moment about the city that never sleeps, but yet the performance by the New York Liberty in game one against Connecticut, I think is keeping everybody up and they are wondering why we're going to talk about it next, but first a message from our friends at DoorDash. We love the convenience of getting what you want right at your door. It happens to us all the time. With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. We've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them yourself. You want even more value? Well, you can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use the code Locked on NBA at checkout. Limited time offer and terms do apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked on NBA. Don't forget, that's Locked on NBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For our everydayers, tomorrow on the show, Howard Megdahl with some fantastic college basketball preview coverage and more on the WNBA playoffs. That is what we are talking about here today with my friend Matthew Walter. Matthew, let's go from one side of the country out to the other and the East Coast. And this is a matchup of the number two and number three seed, the New York Liberty and the Connecticut Sun. The Sun 0-4 in the regular season against New York, but yet a bit of a stunner on the home court in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. 78-63, they beat New York. It seemed as though this was truly the dominant defensive performance by Connecticut. That's kind of been their calling card all season long. But if you listen to what Sandy Brondello said, a quote, performance this was the worst of the season for new york what gives and how does new york write this ship well when your mvp candidate shoots seven of 25 from the field and oh and eight from three putting up 19 points i think you're not going to win a lot of games i think it's going to create more problems for a team than it's going to solve because she's the best player right she's the star she that's who brianna stewart is and i think you know, she needs to be better. I'm not going to lie. She needs to be better. They, the whole, their stars need to be better. Sabrina Inescu didn't play very well. You didn't get a lot from Courtney Vandersloot. And that's a lot of credit to the defense of the Connecticut Sun. Yeah. They played a lot better on the defensive side of the ball. And they got a great offensive performance from Rebecca Allen, who has sort of stepped into this role since Brianna Jones got hurt earlier in the season. And 
against her former team, right? The team that the last player on the, who was the last on the roster where the Liberty advanced to the second round. And she said, all right, I'm used to playing here at Madison Square Garden. This is my old home. And she went out and put on a great performance with both her offense and defense. And look, the, the talent of the Liberty is there. It's not going to lie. There's a ton of talent, but they just have to be a better team. They have to be smarter. The offense sort of broke down at times. They weren't playing to the skill set and the ability that they have. And when you do that against the team on that plays defense as well as Connecticut, you're going to lose the game. And that's what they did. They just, they came in and they didn't show up. They didn't play offense the way that they normally can. And when you do that, it's just not going to lead to a win against a team as good as Connecticut. Yeah, it was a season low in multiple categories for the New York Liberty. 63 points a season low and the 33.8% from the field. They were also out-rebounded by Connecticut by 5, 35 to 30, which doesn't seem like a lot. But when you're not scoring the basketball and then not getting yourself any second-chance opportunities, then it just starts to snowball. And it seemed as though this was a Liberty team that was just all out of sorts. Sabrina Nescu, she goes 4-14. She knocked down 4 of 8 from 3, but that was really the only option that New York had from behind that three-point line. And give credit because Stephanie White, the WNBA Coach of the Year, head coach of the Connecticut Sun, she said she thought this was the most consistent 40 minutes that they have had this season. In order to win on the road and to win this first game in a playoff situation like you've got in a best-of-five, you've got to not only be able to be good on one end of the four, you've got to be good on the other. So it seemed as though that this was probably a 40 minute juggernaut that they had to put together to not only be able to shut down New York and make them miserable, but you've got to find a way to score the basketball. And they did that. They got four starters and double figures. Yeah. And and that's, you know, to win a game on the road in the playoffs, you have to play almost perfect. And that's what they did, right? They played almost perfect on both sides of the ball. And we talk about it so much in playoff series is the road team. All you got to do is go on the road and steal one game. Yeah. Right. That's your goal. And Connecticut's done that. And not to say like, they're going to go out there in game two and just say, okay, we've done what we needed to do. We don't really need to put it out there. But when you get that first game win as the road team, the amount of confidence it gives you to win the series is exponentially higher mm -hmm. and credit Connecticut, right? They came out. And like you said, they had four players in double figures. This has been a team since they lost Brianna Jones. They sort of had to, not that they had didn't have other scores, but they've sort of had to do like a scoring by committee in terms of everybody has to do a little bit. Like we're not going to get a lot from one person. Like sometimes Dewana Bonner is going to go off. Sometimes you'll get a big game from Rebecca Allen like you did, but you're going to need everybody to contribute. And that's what you got. And, you know, they got a good performance from Alyssa Thomas, eight points, seven rebounds, 10 assists. That's right about probably what, where she's at average wise. But when you have four starters and double, fig double figures, you almost had five because Alyssa Thomas had eight points. When you can get almost all five of your starters in double figures, it's very difficult for you to lose a game. Mm -hmm. You're probably not going to lose if you have almost all five of your starters in double figures unless the other team is holding all of them to 10 because you're going to just get enough con contributions from everybody and that's going to lead to usually a victory, right? You need to just get a little, not a little bit, but something from everybody. If you get something from everybody, you're probably going to win a game. No, absolutely. And as a stat geek myself, I look at some of those numbers and I say, well, 14 turnovers for New York. That doesn't seem like a ton. I mean, that's 14 possessions where you don't get a shot, but that's somewhat average. But yet just seven, excuse me, eight turnovers for Connecticut in the entire ballgame. So not only were they be able to control tempo, take care of it, kind of exploit matchups, make those adjustments. They were down three at half. They had a big surge to start the third quarter. 
those were the difference makers is, is that, you know, that you were playing efficient basketball, that they weren't turning it over and that they were making New York uncomfortable. And I think that seemed to be the message when this was over was that New York just never felt comfortable. They never felt comfortable at home. They were out of sorts. They were a bit out of system. You couldn't get Brianna Stewart at a rhythm. She goes seven of 25, 0 of eight from behind the three point line. And those are just numbers. Sometimes you're just going to have to flush them if, you, if you're New York. But if I'm Connecticut, I got to be feeling pretty good as a surge to say, I get one on the road. And both of these are, are franchises that are looking for their first WNBA championship. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the other stat that stood out to me is that New York had no fast break points. New York's a team full of, you know, Courtney Vandersloot wants to push the pace. Sabrina Nesky wants to push the pace. I, you know, uh, Brianna Stewart, Nigel Laney, they can run the floor. They are, they got players who can play fast. So if Connecticut to hold them to no fast break points to limit their transition game and make them a half court offense. And that's where Connecticut succeeds right there. A half court defensive. They want to muck it up. They want to make it tough on you. They want to grind you into the dirt on defense. And when they can limit how much you get out in transition by giving you nothing. Now you're playing to their hand, their strength, make you have to play against their set half court, stolid stud defenders in Alyssa Thomas, in Rebecca Allen, in Natisha Heideman, in Dewana Bonner, people that are going to get up in you and make your life incredibly difficult on that side of the ball. And they did that, you know, when you stop teams from getting out in transition, you stop them from getting those easy looks. Then you make them take all the hard looks against your set defense. And that's what Connecticut wants. And that's what they did. And they have to feel confident in whatever they did to take away fast break points. They need to just keep doing that. Even, even if they don't win the game, right? If you can limit how much a team gets easy looks at the basket against a team as star-studded as New York, it's going to make your chances of winning a lot higher. No doubt about it. And I think you're absolutely right. It seemed as though a second half of feeling ultimately miserable is what Connecticut did to New York in the second half of game one. Game two is just around the corner, everybody. And in just a moment, we are going to talk. Both of these semifinals series are set for game two. What can we expect and who's got to be better to keep their championship hopes alive? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I am Missy Heydrich here with Matthew Walter. Matthew, all right, let's start on the East Coast. We're going to go from right to left and we're going to talk about game two, uh, which comes up on Tuesday, the 26th. Um, New York and Connecticut, the two and three seeds. The Connecticut steals the first one at home. Feels as though to me now this is the challenge. This is going to be the challenge for Sandy Brondello to be able to figure out, all right, what are the adjustments we have to make? Uh, what, where's, where can we attack more if you're going to exploit some of the deficiencies that this Connecticut team has? I think playoff play in any sport a lot of times comes down to matchups and how you attack those matchups and how you want to exploit opportunities. When you look at this game and say, all right, if I'm New York, this is what we've got to be better at. But if I'm Connecticut to give myself a chance to go two and O on the road in the, in the semifinals, what's got to give for both of these teams in game two. So I think for New York, the most obvious thing is Brianna Stewart's got to play better. This is yeah. a simple answer, but I think you need to balance your offense, right? So you have Brianna Stewart taking 25 shots. You have Sabrina Nescu took 14. Manaja Laney also needs to be better. She can't be one of nine. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't help you at all. You need, you just need to be more balanced, right? You have two people taking 39 shots and that was more than half of the entire shots that New York took. So you just need to get a more consistent offense. And it's as simple as Brianna Stewart can't go over 0 of 8 from three 
and shoot seven of 25. She's too good of a player to do that. Yeah. She's too good of a player to do that. And I think she'll bounce back, but that's what they need. They need a bounce back Brianna Stewart. And it wouldn't be surprised if she bounced back in a big way and has like 30 plus, because that's just yeah. who she is. She's yeah. that kind of player. Or we see some Sabrina Ninescu flamethrower game when she knocks down like seven threes. Like they just need somebody to step up because no one really stepped up when things got tough in game one. Mm-hmm. If you're Connecticut defensively, you need to do the exact same thing. Like make them play a half court game, make New York have to play through sets, make New York have to play half court offense, grind them into the dust, make them play a game in the seventies and the eight, the sixties and the seventies. If it gets to the eighties and the nineties, you're playing into New York's hand. Yes. You want to make the game a slow grinded out, low scoring game if you're Connecticut like they did in game one and get the balance scoring right it may not be Rebecca Allen but see if you can get a better game from Dewana Bonner she had 20 points but on 6 of 19 shooting Tiffany Hayes 6 of 15 Alyssa Thomas 4 of 11 just be a little more efficient on offense which again that's not Connecticut's strength like they want to win on defense but see if you can just get a little more efficiency on offense but continue to make the game low scoring low possessions grind it out nothing easy for New York yeah, I think you just got to go back to making their life miserable, which is what mm-hmm. they did in the first ha- in this first game. I mean, it was that's been their calling card. It's been their identity to just be incredibly good defensively. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you're going to have to find a way to score. And when they mm-hmm. get chances, they've got to be themselves efficient. It was mm-hmm. a New York offense that wasn't efficient, but I think Connecticut can be better as well. And that transition game, you got to exploit it. You got to take chances when you can, but to slow it down and grind it out and make this much more of a half court possession game. And that's where things like the ball movement and the screening action and that attack mentality to be able to go at New York, force them to have to engage a little bit differently, I think could be a huge piece for Connecticut. All right, let's ship ourselves out West and we're going to go game two, Vegas and Dallas. This is the one versus the four seed. It was a 97 83 win for Las Vegas a monster game from Asia Wilson. They get great production from Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, the ball in space, the ability to go at the defense. That's what Asia Wilson does. Other players can do it for Las Vegas. If you're Becky Hammond, you watch that tape and say, all right, this is what we're going to have to do in game two to put ourselves in a really, really good position here in this semifinal series. Uh, Number one, it's always going to be defense with Becky Hammond, right? We got to keep playing defense. We need to keep, doing the smart things on defense, doubling in the right moments, make Enrique Gumbawale's life difficult, talk on screens, you know, know when we need to get out to shooters, those kind of things. I think number two, turnovers. We were too sloppy with the ball in the first half. We can't give possessions to other teams, especially Dallas, who likes to run. Number three, play our offense, play our game. They played offense really well in game one. You know, they got a lot from Asia Wilson. Let's see, you know, they were kind of looking at the mismatch when uh, Crystal Dangerfield was in the game, posting Chelsea Gray up against her. Let's continue to attack that. Mm-hmm. And just the nice thing about the Aces is there are moments, right? We saw Kelsey Plum had a bad first quarter. She scored 12 in the second quarter. Jackie Young hit a couple of threes in a row. The Aces are never going to, like, Asia Wilson's always going to have a good game, and, like, she seems to find ways to go off. But the Aces kill you because somebody will have one good quarter. Then it's somebody else. And so if you start to change your defense to one person, somebody else is going to score. And so that's what I think. They are never going to care about who gets it done as long as they win. Continue to be unselfish. Continue to play the right way on offense and, and do the things that they did in game one offensively that got them, like you said, to that 97-point mark, which is, you know, that's just above what they averaged all season at 94. Yeah, I was gonna say that's not a bad that's not a bad number to be able no. to make as a goal. 
and you said it, I, we talked about it earlier with matchups. You mentioned the one with Chelsea Gray and how they want and how Dallas wanted to be able to defend her. But if there was another matchup that you could take out of this and say, all right, that would be one where if I was Dallas, they've got to go at somebody. They've got to be able to attack a little bit differently. Which matchups intrigue you as you think about game two? I think they need to find a way to get Arike going in a way where the, that's the right kind of shot for Arike, right? They got a couple of easy baskets when they got their players curling off of screens coming downhill. But I think when Arike has the ball in her hands, sometimes she can get just a little too much like, I need to score. Mm-hmm. And I think they just need to get a little more of everybody involved. And they need to be better at recognizing when the aces are going to come down and dig, when the aces are going to come down and try to get steals on the post because they're underside compared to McCowan and Kalani Brown and Awak Kurye. So if they can start to recognize when the doubles are coming and get easy layups off of that or outside shots off of that, that's when they're going to be their best. I also think Satu Sabli needs to step up. She was okay, not great in game one, right? She has really shown herself to be one of the elite players in the league this year, winning most improved player. And I think that she needs to step up and have a bigger role, right? She needs to be more aggressive. She was a little under aggressive. And I think at times that that hurt the Dallas Wings and not getting uh, and I think a lot of it's probably right. They've never been in this situation before. Like you yeah. said, this is the first time they've been to the second round, a lot of young players. And I think you kind of saw some hesitancy and I think we'll see a more aggressive Dallas team in game two. I think they got through the first game, they got through the moment and now they're ready to like, okay, let's go out there and play our game and try to be a little bit more aggressive. And I think that's the adjustment, just being more aggressive, trying to really go at the, at the aces and, and, throw a punch instead of sort of taking a punch to start the game, if that makes sense. No, I think it makes total sense. And I would agree with you. I think for Sabalej, that was one of the reasons why she was so improved from one year, from last year to this year, is she became more assertive. And so you can't go back into that shell, even on a big stage in a playoff game. This is where what has gotten you to this point has to continue to take you there. Those matchups, how you exploit them. I think your point about the screening action, being able to move people off the ball and away from the ball is going to be huge. You've got to force Vegas to have to guard you through those sets, through those shot clocks. Take advantage of transition when you can get it, but you got to play smart because if you do turn it over, that's where Las Vegas has been so good. They just make people pay for their mistakes. And so they're going to want to make you uncomfortable they want to make you miserable, and when that happens, then they just almost put their foot on the gas and say, hey, we're not going to let you take advantage of it. We're going to put this down for you and not give you any room to maneuver. I like what Dallas was able to do, kind of hung in there, but I don't know whether or not they're going to have enough of the firepower to compete with Vegas at home again in Las Vegas. Yeah, and I would agree, and I think going back to your earlier point, right, 12 turnovers for Dallas, it turned into 21 Aces points. Yeah. Aces had 16 turnovers. It only turned into 14 Dallas points. Yeah. Aces had 17 fast break points. If you give the Aces any opportunity to go, like I said, they have gas. Everybody's a gas pedal on Las Vegas. They want to floor it. They want to run. Yeah. They are a run first, ask questions later team. And if you give them an opportunity to run, they're going to crush you, right? We saw how many times Asia Wilson had layups in transition against, because she runs. She's a cat, as Becky Hamm mm-hmm. says. She's a cat who runs the floor. Yeah. And that is something that is only going to make it more difficult. So take care of the basketball. But like you said, I just think it's too many weapons. It's too much, too much experience. That's what it is to me. The separator in this series is the lack of experience of being here for Dallas and the Aces full team have been here before. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And that is that kind of killer mentality. And they have it. They are the reigning world champions and they want to prove that they can do it again. And I think Vegas has set themselves up 
to be able to do that. All right, Matthew Walter, where does everybody find you, my friend? I know these days are incredibly busy for you. Uh, I, you can find me on Twitter at MatthewWalter96. You can find all my work at The Next Hoops. I'll have a story coming out after game two, just looking at some of the things that have worked for the Aces or not worked, depending on how game two goes through these first two games of this semifinal series. Awesome. And I also want to give a shout out to our colleague, Jackie Powell at The Next, who has put out a fantastic article that dropped this morning about the New York-Connecticut game, sort of the do's and don'ts, what went wrong for the Liberty and what has to be better for them. Two outstanding matchups in Game 2 are coming your way, everybody. Get ready for Tuesday because the WNBA playoffs are in high gear. Well, you can find me at Missy Heydrich on X, formerly knows as Twitter, and then all of my amazing colleagues, as I said, go to thenexthoops.com. You'll see us there, and then follow this podcast at Locked on Women's Basketball. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For our everydayers out there, tomorrow on the show, Howard Megdahl, with some fantastic college basketball preview coverage and much, much more also on the WNBA playoffs all week. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy playoff time and enjoy everything. And fall is here. We are in full gear. We are going to get another world champion in just a few weeks, but we've got to get through the semifinals first. We will see you next time right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball.